Welcome to Emotional and Spiritual Well-Being, the podcast that balances psychology and spirituality, helping you achieve well-being by discussing how the mind, will, and emotions interplay with the spiritual and physical. Here is your host, Sharon Wegman. Hi, this is Sharon Wegman from Wellspring Solutions. I am a counselor in Wyoming, Pennsylvania, and I'm here with my intern, Kate Byler. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, my name is Kate Byler. I am Sharon's intern. I am in my last year of my master's program at Jefferson University in their trauma program. So I've been here for the past year, accumulating some clients and working on trauma-focused things that I'm learning for my program. Great. Great. So today what we want to talk about is manipulation and how it affects relationships. It's something that we talk about a lot in my counseling practice. And almost everyone goes through some type of manipulation or is the manipulator. It's true. I mean, everyone does it in some form or another, you just sometimes aren't as aware of it. Mm -hmm. So we're going to make you aware of it today. (laughs) (laughs) But it really does affect relationships and done in excess can be emotional abuse. And that's not emotional abuse is really not talked about in a lot of settings, specifically more the church setting. So today we want to just talk about how manipulation affects relationships Because it really is destructive to intimacy with friendships, in marriages, in even Mm -hmm. parenting. In lots of ways, it's very destructive. Mm -hmm. And probably realizing that you do it and admitting to it would be a way to recover from it or find a new way to let your motives be known or your needs be known because it sounds very cliche but admitting it would be the first step to saying that you know we do these things instead of just trying to ignore it that we're perfect or that we've never manipulated anyone before sure so when we own our truth and own our truth to other people which is the secondary level we tend to move towards making better choices. And so a lot that we, some of the things that we work on in counseling is becoming less manipulative in how we express ourselves, becoming less manipulative in how we relate to people and or setting boundaries for other individuals in our lives who are manipulative. Mm-hmm. In its simple form, We'll just take our most simplistic form of manipulation can be maybe the silent treatment. Now, a lot of people don't use the silent treatment as a specific tactic of abuse or to get someone to comply. That's Mm -hmm. on one end of the continuum. On the other end of the continuum would be the silent treatment in that I don't know what to say. I'm avoiding a painful conversation. I'm avoiding pain. And it might not even be that it might come from that person, but it might be a memory from our own childhood. Mm -hmm. We just clam up. We become quiet, withdrawn. We isolate as our way of protecting ourselves from pain and or protecting ourselves from the other person. But how does it then become manipulative? Right. And those things are always easier to do than 
to just talk. <laughs> yes, that's true. It is much easier to not talk or to... Um, part of us, though, I think we know we have power in some way over that other person or in their relationship when we practice those things because they're maybe waiting for us to open up and talk or resolve something. But we also have the power of withholding. Yeah, and when we're withholding... <laughs> We do have power, and it, it's hard because many people don't realize to what level they are using it mm-hmm. as a manipulative tool because most of the time, for most people, it just feels like self-protection. Mm-hmm. But when we do that in the course of a relationship, whether it's with a child, a spouse, a boyfriend, girlfriend, or even in a friendship, when we do that, the other person in that relationship feels very powerless, very invalidated, and maybe can sometimes start feeling more fear in the relationship mm-hmm. because of their level of powerlessness that they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And it's, let's go to the like, next secondary level of what manipulation looks like. In its secondary form, we kind of are doing nice things for someone Mm -hmm. to get them to comply. (laughs) So that would look like for maybe a man, he's doing nice things for his wife so that he can have sex. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is not that he's doing nice things. It's that the only time he does nice things is when he wants sex or some other favor, whatever that would be. So it's not that the actual doing niceness is manipulation, but Mm -hmm. if I'm only doing an action or a behavior to get my needs met, then I'm manipulating the other individual. Yeah, and are we acting that way when we don't feel like it in the sense of like, maybe your spouse was not the warmest to you, but can you still make them dinner or have a conversation with them without wanting something in return. Sure. And so I guess with women, it looks a lot like maybe building your husband up or being super affirming just to have him let us buy something that we want when we agreed in the budget before that that's not in the budget, but we're being manipulative with our affirmations and things like that to get what we want. We already agreed to not do that because women do it too but it just might look differently and again affirming your husband isn't bad or your spouse isn't bad but why are we doing these things Mm -hmm. exactly is it for self because love isn't really for self love is no i'm giving to this other person so that's it's simple that's like a secondary form of manipulation and what i see for people that come in here is They don't feel safe in their marriage relationship because does this person love me for what I give them, Mm -hmm. for how I take care of them? Do they love me for who I am? Mm -hmm. Lots of self-esteem can be very confused when love is only based on what I am able to give a person or how I make a person feel. Mm -hmm. So... For a lot of people, it makes their relationships very unsafe. And so even we'll see that even with teenagers or kids, what that looks like in their relationships with their parents is they take me out 
And the only time they take me out is when they're going to have a hard conversation with me. Mm-hmm. They don't just take me out to be with me. They do specific behaviors so they have the ability to say what they want to say. And I'm not saying relationship is not important. Relationship is, but I'll have some kids who come in here. Well, the only time they do that is when they want to yell at me. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have to be so aware of manipulation because thats it's just not love. Mm-hmm. And I think... Sometimes we haven't had examples of what that looks like. Right. And I think we have to sometimes look back as to what was our model of love growing up. (laughs) Because if your parents maybe were manipulative to each other to get what they want, maybe that's something you've realized until recently or now listening to this, that that is what you saw. And so that's also what you know. And Figuring that out is going to really help because, or maybe that was how you were treated as a kid. Right. And we aren't, ex- it's hard for us to learn new tools when we were taught something for so long in our entire life as our truth. It's true. So next level, third level, <laughs> the third level of manipulation and behaviors would look more like criticism. And people say, it's just constructive criticism, or I feel the need to point out what should be done there, Mm -hmm. just so they know. (laughs) Maybe criticism or minimizing what somebody else did there. That type of behavior is a way of getting power in a situation. And I don't even feel like most people who operate in a lot of criticism understand it's their way of making themselves feel more powerful but it can be what people do in uncomfortable situations so Mm -hmm. i'm thinking of like somebody who has social anxiety before they go to the situation they might be like very critical and thinking about everything that that other person is going to do wrong Mm Or after the situation is over, they're just figuring out, they're like, well, they shouldn't have done that, or they shouldn't have done that. Again, that, that's their way of maintaining their sense of power where there's, you know, social anxiety in the situation. So what that looks like in a relationship, which would be maybe, and it could also come in a lecturing form. Mm-hmm. You know? And also there's minimal to no encouragement with the criticism. True. So congressive criticism is more, I think, of like, if someone were to observe me at work and say, hey, I noticed some of these things that you do that, you know, are part of some of your tendencies, but I think bringing them to your attention will help you work better. But here are some of the things I saw you do really well in. To me, that's a good balance of like, I'm here to support you. I'm not here to bring you down. So if it's destructive criticism, I I find that it happens without any encouragement. And you leave feeling very discouraged instead of empowered and loved by that person. Because constructive criticism can be very loving. I've experienced it. It's true. So I'm not saying you're not allowed to bring things to people's attention. That's not what I'm not <laughs> talking about. If I'm bring, But as we talk about here in therapy, it takes five affirmations to overweigh, to overshadow what that one criticism. Mm. So we better be doing a whole lot of affirmation if we're using criticism. And so what it does is it really whittles away um, the confidence Mm. Mm -hmm. of the individual, whether it's a child, a friend, or a spouse, 
because they just begin to fear conversing with the individual if they're going to receive more withdrawals, Mm -hmm. which I would consider like constant criticism, like a withdrawal. Um, That would also look like maybe lecturing too. Mm -hmm. I'll say to parents of teenagers, lecturing never, never, never works (laughs) (laughs) because they already know what you believe. They already know by the time they're at the age of accountability, they know what you believe. You just have to hold your boundaries and allow the consequences and hold them accountable for how they make you feel Mm -hmm. without making it a lecture. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I feel like people use the criticism or use the lecturing as their way of forcing a person to listen to them. And in the end, it really is very destructive to the relationship. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's like just so much being said that the other person can't even respond. Where it's just like if someone's lecturing you, there's almost so much to take in that to respond at that point for the opposite party feels almost pointless because you've just been bombarded with a lot of To me, it comes off as a lot of issues about what you're doing and how you're doing things wrong or this is wrong. And I think our brains (laughs) can't really respond in an appropriate manner that makes us feel like empowered. We just it's just a lot to take in. And it is it is a thing. It comes back to that control of like, I'm going to tell you so much about yourself that it's almost like, whoa, (laughs) how do I respond or. It's just a use. It's just hard. It's. I mean, I think it becomes unintentional with people at lecturing. Like, I think it comes off that uh, it comes from a good spot sometimes with parents, and then it turns into something else. It's just. It's complicated. It is complicated. <laughs> Relationships in general are complicated. Yeah. Why? I think they're very complicated because they can be very powerful too. Mm-hmm. And so we know why God designed relationships, you know, why God designed them Mm -hmm. was to be empowering and connecting. And it's part of our power solution. We can't exist by ourselves. We think we can, but we can't. Mm -hmm. And we're much more powerful when we have healthy support in our lives. So the very thing that God designed probably is very much convoluted along the way about how that, what that, you know, okay. (laughs) okay (laughs) it just becomes uh, a point of of conflict probably because of the power it it contains and that's true for just about anything in life yeah so next level are we on the fourth level yeah (laughs) okay so the fourth level would be more like invalidating somebody minimizing minimizing what they're what they're saying maybe accusing them of things that they're, that aren't true. Mm-hmm. And that can take big forms or little forms. So somebody says something to you like, oh, blah, blah, I don't really feel like you're hearing me well. That And the other person says, that's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that At that moment, right. I've just invalidated how that person's experiencing me as opposed to saying, yeah, I, I want to understand that more so I know how to make you feel better heard. You know, that one is, 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 is mirroring what the person's saying and validating it and empathizing with it. And the other is, no, that's not true. That's not my heart. I hear that a lot. That wasn't my heart. 
well, doesn't matter what your heart was, that's how it came out. Right, that wasn't my intention. Or you shouldn't feel that way because this is what I meant. That's good. (laughs) You shouldn't feel that way. That's not what I'm doing here. That's not true. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a long time ago, somewhere along the line, I learned when somebody's telling me something about me, I need to really take that in, meditate on it, pray on it, and just say, God, what part of this is true? Obviously, people's trauma feeds into how they experience everybody. Mm -hmm. All of our filters feed into how we experience. But I'm always saying to myself, okay, what part of that is true and how can I hear that person so that they do not feel invalidated in this situation. Mm -hmm. So what happens is in its basic form, it's very mild invalidation, very mild minimizing. minimizing. (laughs) (laughs) It's very early in the morning here. (laughs) But that can go all the way up on a continuum to look like not respecting someone's boundaries. Yeah, or gaslighting, I would say. Yeah, talk about gaslighting a little bit. I think gaslighting, what I think of is some signs is when you leave and you almost feel crazy. <laughs> not that you are, but you feel that way because you maybe brought an issue to your spouse or a family member or a friend, and you that opposite party somehow turned it against you or that issue that you brought to their attention is actually your fault and in that moment it was you end up believing that and then you leave out of that situation being like wait a second I went in there saying one thing and now I leave thinking that was me and I left the one apologizing and you feel very there's a spirit you know if we're gonna be (laughs) spiritual which we are here (laughs) there's a giant like spiritual aspect of it that is this like confusion and Mm. um, manipulation there too honestly it's true that comes out of all that so that's what you're feeling that a lot of times that's what how I gauge what gaslighting is it's true when I leave confused out of a situation that's when I know I've been manipulated in some way or Mm -hmm. another right Mm-hmm. Because I was super clear before I had this conversation, and now I'm super unclear, and I'm really confused. Mm-hmm. That's when I know I've been manipulated and not heard well. Mm-hmm. So in its more extreme form, you know, it looks like, in addition to gaslighting, it's crossing boundaries. Mm-hmm. So somebody's like, no, I don't want to have sex And the person starts harassing them Mm -hmm. and invalidating what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Or maybe even using scriptures (laughs) to try and get a person to comply (laughs) to what they're saying. And that's not the heart of a loving God. Mm -hmm. The loving God is just as concerned about that person's heart Mm -hmm. than it is about, (laughs) yeah, and feeling safe than it is about your need for sex. So it can be very boundary crossing in its extreme form. People just go out and do what they want to do if despite, you know, what the other person says. And that just is completely when the relationship feels very, very unsafe because it feels like you're constantly being victimized by someone. Mm -hmm. And you certainly don't want to be in a relationship where you feel like you're the victim and the other person is a predator. Right. Yeah. And I think, too, it's like abusing 
expectations comes to mind in the sense of like, you're my spouse, so you should do these things for me when like love is selfless. And if you're, I'm going to use wife because primarily that was what happened. I'm not saying that husbands aren't victimized either, but if your wife is going through a bout of depression, you know, after an incident or maybe a miscarriage or whatever, maybe they struggle with depression and having sex is really hard for her. Using this is your duty as my wife as a means to get what you want is not love. Love is more selfless and saying, what can we do to help? Like, what can I do to love you through this? What are things we can do together? And that will make her feel safe to actually want to have sex. (laughs) Whereas like using it as a form of like, you owe me this, that doesn't feel safe and that feels weird (laughs) and it feels violating. So you're actually creating a bigger barrier by doing that because our spirits know what true love is and the love that Jesus gives us is, is not an, comes out of expectations. He doesn't ask us, well, if you do these things for me, I'll do these things for you. Correct. Yeah. And then our most extreme form of manipulative behavior would be threatening somebody, raging against somebody. It could be even abandoning somebody in a very upsetting situation. It's very traumatizing for that to happen. Mm -hmm. And so it's so interesting how often parents use threats so inappropriately. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it literally teaches a child a form of, of manipulation at a very early age. So I was somewhere recently, and I was at a shower house after the beach, and there was a woman in another stall, and she kept threatening this kid, if you don't comply, I'm going to, we're going to go home. In my head, I was thinking, lady, you're not going to do that. You're at the beach on the boardwalk. <laughs> you're right. not going to go home. You're, you're making yourself very threatening mm-hmm. and scary to try and get this kid to comply. Mm-hmm. And in the end, he was kind of being abused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he started yelling, you're really annoying me. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm right there with you. You're right. I'm right there with you. So what else could it look like? Threatening, abandoning, raging. I mean, constant lies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Talk about that. I just think constant, like, deceit. I mean, and I'm not saying sometimes there are things we don't tell our spouse right away because maybe we want to go to a mentor or like mm-hmm. have some time to cool off so we're not spewing everything out of our head. That's not always helpful. But keeping things a secret like a sexual addiction or a emotional affair with a friend or someone that we're texting or find affirmation from and At first, it might seem innocent, and then if it's escalating, we don't tell this partner, or we we use that as a threat to get them to do what we want. Like, well, if you don't do this, then I'm just going to go talk to another girl. Yeah. Like, that's that's really deceitful, and that's, that's blatant. Like, that type of manipulation, that's blatant. There's no 
to me, there's not a lot of unconsciousness behind that. Whereas, <laughs> like, lecturing or what we talked about in the very beginning with the cold shoulder, some of that is very unconscious. And we need those things to be brought to our attention that, hey, this is actually manipulation. Where this is like, if you don't know this is manipulation, then <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you should, maybe you should come see us <laughs> because that that is just deceit and it's true. blatant hurting someone, blatantly hurting someone so they feel hurt. Right. And that's where it kind of is on the evil bent of the continuum, mm-hmm. really, because mm-hmm. if, if the person is doing that level of power in a relationship, it's not somebody to be with. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a friend or a spouse, God does not call us to walk with evil. Mm-hmm. He says flee from evil. Mm-hmm. So, you know, already when we got to level four, which is a lot of invalidation and demeaning and minimizing, mm-hmm. that's very destructive too mm-hmm. at level four. Depending on to what how much that is on a regular basis, it whittles away at a person. Mm-hmm. And I'll have people come out of these types of relationships and they don't even get to level five. And it takes them years to recover from mm-hmm. how much was whittled away from them and how much anxiety they have as a result of that type of relationship. We are even doing the demeaning, the coercing, you know, all of those things at level three and four. We're setting our children up to have a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. in their adult life because they are constantly going to be focused on doing it the right way. So Mm -hmm. that they are not criticized, accused, punished, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think sometimes we realize what we're doing at levels one, two, and three. Yeah, the power behind it. I used to teach a parenting class to inmates (laughs) at the Berks County Prison. And something that we would practice is not having, not saying things to your kids like, And this can be feel very innocent, but not saying things like, oh, if you go clean your room, mommy and daddy will love you so much. And that just simple sentence that sounds like sweet, like what they're learning at a really young age is like, if I do things for mom and dad, then they'll love me. And just teaching them that when we talked about that, it was like, and we said, like, you know, how did your parents tell you to clean your room? And it was like, well, once I cleaned my room, they were in a good mood. You know, or once I like did what was asked, mom and dad were nice to me and like Mm. felt stress free. So it's like those types of things that we develop from a really young age because that's that's what these men were taught. And so that's how they know how to parent. And it just goes on. So it is bringing a lot of uh, the point of this, I think, too, is bringing a lot of clarity to our actions. It's true because we don't want our children being set up to be in an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to stop operating in manipulation in our relationship with our children so that when they are being, they are in an abusive relationship, they are able to recognize it immediately. Mm-hmm. And so we really have a mandate to be humble, gentle, patient, and bearing with one another because it gives us a bond of peace. Mm-hmm. That's what Ephesians 4, 2, and 3 talks about, that when we are that way with how we interact with people, it gives us a bond of peace in our house, where when we are doing the other things, we are creating less safety in our house. Mm-hmm. So 
I think this is an ongoing discussion. We might do another podcast. If you have a specific topic related Mm -hmm. to what we talked about today, Mm -hmm. we'd love to hear from you. You can just email us at office at wellspringsolutions.com. That's office at wellspringssolutions.com. And we'd love to hear more, to be able to discuss this more, because it's not something that a lot of people talk about in Mm -hmm. the Christian community. But the end goal is not just not manipulating, but to be able to verbalize what we need. Yeah, because that's usually how, you know, those level one to three manipulations happen is... Like we said in the beginning, it's easier to not verbalize our needs, but to do an action where we don't have to talk to get what we want. And if we don't catch it in the beginning, sometimes it, it could amp up to those like more severe levels where a lot of abuse is happening. So it's just being able to verbalize our needs. And I just keep thinking, and what's sticking out to me is this Romans 12 9 through 10 verse at the end, it says, honor one another above yourself. And just honoring one another is expressing our needs to one another and complete communication and not expecting a person to read our mind or to just do these things without communicating what we want. It's true. But it's very vulnerable Mm -hmm. to be able to express our needs if we haven't grown up in an environment where needs were expressed. Right. Like, I need affection, I need affirmation, I need adventure. Whatever those needs are, most people, at least my age and older, (laughs) which we're not going to talk about that, (laughs) most people did not grow up in that home. You Mm -hmm. did what you were told to do, you complied, you were the child, they were the adult, they were the authority. So my point is maybe some of the younger generations have the ability better to say what they need? I'm not clear on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think so in some ways. I I think it. I've met friends that have grown up in fairly healthy home environments where they to express what they need, and then others, it's more like they maybe could have, but it was so toxic that to express what you need felt pointless. So I think it still comes back to what was your family like growing up and how did they how if you were to say what you needed how would they respond (laughs) exactly yeah so the analogy I usually use to explain this to people when they're in my office is if I go to your front door and I knock on your door because I need to borrow a cup of sugar because I'm making a cake Mm -hmm. I come to your front door I knock on the front door and I can say to you is it possible for me to get a cup of sugar from you that's what I need. I have the ability that you, you, the other person, has mm-hmm. the ability to say yes or no. And mm-hmm. I need to be okay with that. And I might go to the next person and say, okay, they don't have sugar. Can I have a cup of sugar? And I can say that to you. Mm-hmm. But if I'm being manipulative, I might come. I come in and visit with <laughs> you. We sit and talk for a while. And then I complain out loud. And I say... Oh, but I'm making this cake and I don't have sugar and I don't want to go all the way to the store. And Mm -hmm. I say it hoping Mm -hmm. that the other person will offer me sugar Mm -hmm. without me saying. That's manipulation. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't know how to say, knock, knock, knock. Can I have a cup of sugar? Right. They do it. 
by trying to get the other person to offer it mm-hmm. instead of them ask for it. And why do we do that? We do that because we're trying to not feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. We don't want to feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and going to people and asking. I mean, I, I've experienced this where, like, I realize, like, uh, I think this friend would have what I need or this friend would be able to help me. And then part of me is like, oh, I have not seen this friend in, like, a year. <laughs> and so to be able, like, to go into that situation and be kind of chummy sounds like, okay, maybe they'll be more okay. Whereas, like, I feel like it's just like, listen, hey, I'm going to ask you this. I know I haven't seen you in a while, <laughs> but I do need this. If you do want to catch up, you know, we can schedule time for that. But And just being forthright about it sounds rude, but, I mean, in the end, doing it as a means of manipulation is just, like, also dishonest. So yeah. it's almost like admitting, like, hey, maybe I haven't been... Uh, We haven't talked in a while. (laughs) And being aware, again, it comes back to humbling yourself and being aware of, like, these are my needs and, you know, someone can take it or leave it or being open to that. It's good. It's good. Remember, I always judge everything by actions, not by words. Mm -hmm. So I'm not usually manipulated by people's words. I'm very, but I would be, I would be changed by their actions. Mm -hmm. If they were loving, I would be, I would be changed by that. Well, I think this is good. If you're having like a sudden aha moment, I want to say a little prayer for you here. And feel free to send us questions that you would like us to discuss further because it's not talked about. But Mm -hmm. it's something that we need to move away from because it creates a lot of dynamics in our lives. Probably each of you can now think of things from your childhood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, Jesus, I just pray for each person listening to this that, God, you would begin to bring revelation and understanding and wisdom to these areas of their lives. And we bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Emotional and Spiritual Well-Being with Sharon Wegman. For more resources or to have Sharon speak at your meeting or event, please visit wellspringssolutions.com.